Well, we're so privileged tonight to have Dr. Paul Chappell as our special speaker tonight. And probably about four years ago, we just decided to schedule him out three years in a row so that we just had it on the calendar. I don't think I know anybody that perhaps has more demands on his time and more, more just uh, things going on in his life than Brother Chapel. But foremost of everything is that he loves the Lord. You can't be around him without recognizing he loves the Lord. There's a wonderful spirit of grace about him, and uh, you just pray for him because sometimes being his capacity as a leader, that uh, not everybody's happy with what you do there, but he just keeps on going on for the Lord. Uh, the church is 32 years old. They just had their open house Sunday this past Sunday. Great day they had in church. Many, many saved. Lots of visitors there. Still running, running large attendance of people getting saved and reached right in the middle of the Mojave Desert. And we thank the Lord for that. And, of course, the college has had great influence, uh, West Coast Baptist College, not just here but around the world. And so we're very thankful for Brother Chapel's influence. Tonight he's not coming as a college president necessarily, but he's coming just with a pastor's heart uh, to preach to you and to me and to encourage us in the Lord. Brother Chapel, we love you. Come and preach the Word of God. Give him a big amen as he comes. Amen. Thank you, Brother Fong. I'm delighted to be here. I love coming here. And I was telling my wife uh, as I was getting ready to, to come this morning, we had breakfast at Starbucks this morning. We had a uh, little protein box and a cup of coffee, and we are just sitting there talking together. And, and uh, she said, you love going up to be with Brother Fong, don't you? I said, I really do. And I said, uh, I love Brother Fong I've, ever, since, uh, ever since we met years and years ago. I've always loved his zeal for the Lord. And, uh, and I said, uh, not only is he my friend, he's my co-laborer, he's a pastor in this same state with the same vision and passion. And, uh, and I talk about this church just about everywhere I go. And this particular year, I've, uh, I've been to 46 different meetings this year, uh, preaching the gospel and been uh, to Asia and Europe and all over America. And, and oftentimes people ask me, they'll say, where are some churches that are just really aggressively reaching out with the gospel? And if it's not the first one, it's right in the top one or two always, I'll say, Heritage Baptist Church, Pastor Alan Fong. And I want to congratulate you on the building. I, I just love the new building. Pastor has a great deal of wisdom in building this building, uh, which provided this uh, preaching space and fellowship space. The next building that you just finished, uh, the educational space there is where you're going to build lives. It's like a spiritual incubator, and you're going to build lives there, and that's going to let you someday build uh, the large auditorium that's going to make a mega impact in this community already. But I believe the greatest days are really yet to come. And I, I, I want to say with Pastor, and I want to commend you for being here, because I know that uh, Wednesday night commutes and all of that, and the Bay Area especially, uh, are a challenge. But you've done a great job, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, I remember years ago, probably the biggest step of faith I ever took, besides going to be the pastor of 12 people who could give me no salary, was to start a college. And little did I know what all that would involve. And, um, and I remember Pastor Fong coming. Of course, he was not in the ministry yet. And uh, he just flew down and he, he said, I have two things. He said, uh, the first thing I want to do is tell you that I'm your friend and I want to help you with this ministry and that meant a lot to me because, uh, you know, you step out by faith and, and you're, you're looking for indications of God's hand. And that was one of those. And then the second thing he said, first he said, I want to help you. And secondly, he said, I want to see an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist church established in our area. And I'd like to talk with you about it. And uh, that's the other thing I told my wife this morning. I love coming to Heritage because... I feel like we have had a part, and I just want to rejoice and continue to have a part uh, in the great things God is doing. So thank you for welcoming us. So many things I could say. I'm so glad to see many graduates of our college here.
here. Uh, you have some of the very best right here at, on your staff. And um, I like to say that uh, we are honored with so many graduates, 2,700 graduates serving the Lord around the world. And, and just the vast majority of them are just soul-winning, fundamental, godly young people and doing a great job for the Lord. And, uh, and I just want to ask you to continue to pray for us. We certainly appreciate your prayer. Brother Fong serves on our board, and as uh, uh, chairman of our board, we're just really developing that, uh, that structure now. And we're putting things into place to keep the college going straight for years to come until Jesus comes. That's our desire. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. We had a great freshman class this year. And uh, just, I was telling Pastor, uh, we had about 260 or so young people that came in with just a zeal and a heart for the Lord that so encouraged me. They know why they're coming. It's a Bible college. We're not training hairdressers and we're not training uh, computer technicians and all that. We're training preachers and preachers' wives and missionaries. And, and uh, it's fun to see that focus like that. And uh, Pastor has said to mention, and I do want to mention just briefly, that uh, if you're a young person really, really trying to find out what's the purpose of life, what does God have for me? You know, there's, there's, there's really uh, two kinds of people uh, in the church today. First, uh, there's the pastors, and second, there's those that help the pastors. And uh, God wants you to either be a super faithful layman in the church as a young person, get a good job, get, get involved in the church, or... Sometimes he does want to call some out, just like he did in Acts 13. The Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And uh, we need some men and women that are bound in the Spirit to serve the Lord. That's what Paul said in Acts chapter 20. He said, I'm bound in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city. And I like that phrase, bound in the Spirit, because a lot of people are just doing whatever, whatever, whatever. But we need people that are bound to serve God. And if you feel that way in your heart, you might consider West Coast Baptist College. And some of you, uh, maybe right now you say, well, I've got this going on or that going on. Let me mention our online program. There's some brochures in the back. It's an outstanding way to either get a head start or to prepare as a layman. And then we've got some great things on the college on the table over there as well uh, that you might want to look at. We've got a lot of our books over there. I'll just mention a couple of those while I'm thinking of it very, very quickly. Uh, here's our book on marriage, brand new since I was here last year, Are We There Yet?, if you're a married couple, uh, I know that you would enjoy that. Here's a book that God used, uh, Stewarding Life. How to steward your life, your testimony, uh, your finances, your time, your family. Uh, how to be a steward. Life is God's gift to you. What you do with your life is your gift to God. And that's what this book is about. And many other things are over there on the table tonight. And I hope you'll take a look at those. One final thing I want to say by way of introduction, I love the fall color. So whoever did this did a great job. Just kind of, you know, reminds me of that song, right in the corner where you are. And this is, I feel like I'm in a bright corner tonight. So I love all this uh, orange fall color. It's my wife's favorite time of the year. Well, let's stand together. And uh, Terry wanted me to say hello, Grace, to you and all the church family. We were walking to church, or walking out the door to church three weeks ago on a Wednesday night. I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but it just came to my mind. And uh, it was a 15 minutes to 7. We're walking out on Wednesday night, and our dog was in the house. It had been really hot, and uh, we had a, a golden retriever, and her name was Lucy. And she was just standing there. We're getting ready to go out the door. And all of a sudden, she started foaming at the mouth and keeled over and died. Just, Justin, you're not supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> I'm going to tell her you laughed at that, Justin. 
But, uh, but anyways, it just literally, I mean, just talk about the devil fighting you going to church. I mean, we're going, I'm going to go preach God's word in 10 minutes and it died right there. And so I, I uh, called someone from church, uh, one of the fellows on staff. I said, could you, you know, it was kind of like trying to breathe, but it was dying. And so I took it to the pound and all of that. And, uh, so anyways, uh, uh, praise the Lord, we got a new puppy, but pray for us. We got a new puppy. His name is Paddington. And, uh, and it's the most hyper little dog I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, we are in, uh, you know, all of our kids are married now. Of course, we have 10 grandkids, but we have this new little puppy. So, uh, if you've ever had a puppy, you know what I'm talking about. We have our hands full. And, uh, Terry's at home tonight. I'll tell you more about that. She's at home alone tonight, but, uh, uh, you pray for her. And I, I really appreciate your friendship and prayers. For our family. Well, tonight, Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read verse number 22 and uh, read down through verse number 25. I want to speak to you tonight on this subject. I want you to listen carefully to the subject tonight. Jesus calms the storm. And I believe the Lord laid this message on my heart simply for this reason that this is a church that has aggressively, aggressively been reaching out. You've been building buildings, you've, you've had great preachers here, you've had outreach events. Uh, if you know Pastor Fong at all, you know there's always going to be something coming up next, which is the sign of a great leader. But sometimes as you're going from one great event to another great event, the devil's going to try to discourage you. And sometimes there's storms that come into our life. There's, there's just unexpected events. And sometimes the devil tries to get us to doubt and, and you're going to see that in the text tonight. So we're going to learn how to trust God in the storm. And I really believe there are some great lessons here for us tonight. And as Pastor said a moment ago, I'm really not just here as, as a college president or just kind of guest speaker. I'd like to just be a part of your church family and try to be a blessing tonight. So uh, Luke chapter 8 and verse number 22, uh, please. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you that you have given a pattern for us in your word, a pattern to follow even when storms come. And I pray that you would bless our Bible study and preaching tonight, that we might grow in your grace and be challenged by your word. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I love to study the ministry of Jesus around the Sea of Galilee. I've been to the Holy Land on a few occasions, and I often think in my mind of the city of Capernaum. Uh, where Jesus based His ministry, a place that is even today very calm and serene, though it's just a few miles from Syria and from much danger, potentially, it's still today a very calm and a quiet place. And perhaps of all the places in the Holy Land, the Galilean region is the place that would still today be much like it was in the time of Jesus Christ. A beautiful, beautiful place. 
And Jesus remained in Galilee until Luke chapter 9 when he set his face toward Jerusalem. And so by that we understand that much of his earthly ministry was right around this large sea, about 12 miles long and 6 miles wide, a few miles uh, to the east of the sea of uh, uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And this particular uh, body of water was uh, interesting because uh, it was really only about 200 feet deep at the deepest point, and it was the place where the disciples gathered and fished and worked, and it was from this region where Jesus called out His very first assembly of believers. Sometimes in the New Testament it's referred to as Knesseret, or the Sea of Tiberias, uh, or the Sea of Galilee. And it's in this particular area where Jesus began His work. But I find it very interesting today, as we open the Bible, that Jesus says uh, here in the passage before us, beginning in verse number 22, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. I said this a moment ago, but the Christian life is never meant to be stationary. Uh, God always has us on the move. And for some reason, Jesus determines that He was going to take His disciples to the other side, the side of uh, Gadara, where you've perhaps heard the story of the maniac of Gadara and the miracle that took place there. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And as they begin this journey, I want you to notice, first of all tonight, the problem of the disciples. The problem of the disciples. The Bible tells us in verse 22 that they launched forth. Uh, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. It's interesting as we study this particular passage that Jesus in His exhaustion, uh, the Bible says, gets into the boat. Uh, The other men climb into the boat to make the journey. But I find it very interesting in verse 23 it says, As they sailed, He fell asleep. As they sailed, He fell asleep. Now how many of you, I just am curious, how many of you when you get on an airplane for a long flight can sleep. Let me see where you are. You can sleep. All right. I don't like you people who can do that. All right. I cannot do that. I don't know why I cannot do that. But how many of you, when you get out on water, maybe on a cruise ship or something like that, you find you get a little sleepy out on water? And I'll raise my hand for that. I don't know. Water kind of makes me a little sleepy. And I want you to realize the Bible says if any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. The ministry is really labor. And the Bible says that we're to be involved in a labor of love. And Jesus, during His three and a half years of ministry, was, though He was 100% God, He was 100% man. And physically, He is weary. And He gets on this little boat. The Bible says He falls asleep. And I believe that ministry can be very exhausting. And Jesus uh, here exhibits that for us. And by the way, how many of you are thankful that we have an high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So that when you're tired and you pray to the Lord, He says, I understand. And when you have pain and you pray to the Lord, He understands because He is the God-man and He is our high priest. Well, we notice that the disciples are having a, a problem during the journey, first of all, because they did not remember the Word of God. And let me just say very basically, that whenever we fail to remember the Word of God we're going to have problems in our life. And I want you to say, what are you referring to? Well, if you would notice in verse 22, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus had declared 
uh, their destination. They were going to the other side. They were launching forth to go to the other side. Jesus had already mentioned before he even had ever entered into the boat that they were going on to the other side. He had given his word in this matter. His command to cross constituted a guarantee that they would arrive safely. And I want you to understand tonight, you cannot uh, break God's promises by leaning on them. You can trust God. And God said, we're going to go over to the other side. Dwight L. Moody was traveling by boat on one of the Great Lakes when a storm developed and uh, many thought their lives were about to be lost. And they started about uh, uh, talking about having prayer meetings. Then they began to have prayer meetings and asking God to deliver them from the storm. And Dale Moody, the great evangelist, chose not to join in the prayer meeting. And uh, he was asked, why are you not joining in the prayer meeting? And he said this. He said, I have a sister in Chicago and I have a sister in heaven. And it really doesn't matter to me which one I meet tonight. You see, he was totally confident that God's will would be done. He knew that he was saved. How many of you are thankful you're saved tonight? You see, the devil shouldn't be able to scare us with heaven. And Moody had a confidence in the Lord. Now, Jesus' declaration then was a promise of safety. He never promised that there would be no waves. He never says that there will be no trials. But He promises to get us to the other side. And I'm thankful for that tonight. The other side was the east side. The Bible mentions this in verse number 26. They arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee, on the east side. Jesus has declared this. And I just want to say tonight, sometimes our problems get bigger than they should because we forget the promises of God. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I will provide all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he said, cast all your cares upon me for I will care for you. And yet sometimes when we have problems at work or financially or we have problems with our family, we forget the promises of God. And the reason that their trial was growing in their mind was because they had failed to remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. Not only did they forget His Word, but listen, they forgot His presence. They forgot that His presence was with them. Now, how many of you have been saved tonight? Let me see your hands. That if you're saved, you were not saved by the baptistry waters. You were saved by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit as you called upon Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you. And what I want you to know is tonight is that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? And, and yet, uh, here we see the disciples forgetting even that. Notice if you would in verse 23, it says, As they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Now, you'll notice that their focus could have been one of two ways. They could have focused on the promises of God and the presence of Jesus. Or they could have focused on the storm. Now, I'm not saying that I would have done any different than these disciples because when a storm comes, how many of you know it's easy to focus on the storm? But in focusing on the storm, they forgot who was on the boat. They forgot that Jesus was on the boat. And if you're saved tonight, if I can say it this way, He's on your boat. He's in your life. And I don't know what storm you might be facing. But if you're saved, don't forget 
that Jesus is on your boat tonight. Now, this storm, it was a whirlwind, a tempestuous wind, violent. The Bible says they were in great jeopardy. And I've been in a few situations like this. I remember years ago, my grandfather was a pinto bean farmer from Colorado. And uh, he would work, oh, he'd work all summer and early fall to get the harvest in. And always when he went to the farm, you'd see this boat that was parked out by his barn. Might have been a 25 or 30 foot boat, I can't remember. And he always would say, as soon as I get the harvest in, as soon as I get the beans in, I'm going to Mexico fishing. And two or three times we all went down there uh, with our families, all the, all the kids and grandkids. We'd go down with my granddad. And one time so many of us came that he chartered a boat. He couldn't fit people into his little boat, so he chartered a boat. And a whole bunch of us got in the boat. We went out in the Sea of Cortez, and we were going to go deep-sea fishing. But I'm telling you, a storm came up. And I mean, uh, it was raining so hard and huge thunderclouds and just, just beating down on that little boat. And pretty soon, one by one, everybody in the family went down in the bottom of the boat and they were down there. We were all down there very sick. I won't get all into the details. It was gross. We were all sick. And, and after a while, my granddad was down there and it was just so much rain up at the top. And I'll never forget my granddad, big, tall, strong man. I remember one time when he was 80 years old, I was trying to screw something in the garage. I couldn't get it done. He said, ah, give it to me. And three times, and he had that screw right in the two by four. Strong man. Made me feel like kind of a wimp, frankly, when he did that. And my granddad went up top and he said to the captain of that boat there in Mexico, he said, have you ever been in a storm like this? I'll never forget what the captain said. He said, see, but in a much bigger boat. That was not very encouraging for us to hear him say that. I'm telling you, it's not fun to be in a storm. And you worry, is this boat going to dump over? Are we going to perish? And, and this was the case for these disciples. They were focusing on the storm. They were stressed uh, on, on this site of this storm. And uh, as, as we see this passage tonight, we see men who were focused on the wrong object. They were focusing on the creation rather than the Creator. They were focusing on the storm rather than the Savior. And I want you to recognize tonight, God has never promised to make us comfortable, but He has promised to make us conformable to His image. And sometimes it takes a storm to get us to conform and to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes uh, it will take a storm to help us learn uh, that man's extremity is God's opportunity. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. They had forgotten the presence of the Lord. Psalm 93 and verse 3, The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord is on high, is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the many waves of the sea. The problem of the disciples is the same problem we so often have. When the storm comes, all we focus on is the storm, and we forget that Jesus is in the boat. And don't forget that Jesus is in the boat. Don't forget the promises of God. Don't forget the presence of God. Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. And I want you to, to know this tonight. If God brought you to it, He'll bring you through it. God will make a way. The problem of the disciples, very similar to mine sometimes. I look at the problems... And I forget to look 
to the Savior. Notice secondly tonight, the power of Jesus Christ. I want you to see this in verse 24. And they came unto him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now, Christ's life outwardly was one of the most troubled lives ever lived. If you read the New Testament, the Sadducees and the Pharisees sought to kill him. If you read the New Testament, you'll find that Constantly public pressure was against him. You'll find that one of his own betrayed him. We all know the death that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. His life was outwardly one of the most troubled lives ever lived. Tempest and tumult and difficulty throughout his ministry. But the inner life of Jesus was a sea of glass. A sea of glass. Great calm. And never is that pictured before us like it was in this little ship. The Bible says he was asleep. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us that he rested there on a pillow. I'm glad tonight that I serve a God who has displayed for me physically and personally how to trust him in the times of the storm. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, when you see that raging storm, you can always look to Jesus and realize that He has experienced that storm. And I want you to notice the power that Jesus displays. The Bible says that they awake Him. And the Bible tells us that He arose and He rebuked the wind. And I think it's very interesting when we study this. Uh, it's very interesting to see the power that Jesus had over their fear and over this situation. If you would, turn in your Bible briefly to the book of Mark, chapter 4 and verse 38. I want you to see how fearful these men really were. I don't, I don't know that we can adequately describe it. If you've been near death, you might understand it. But I want you to notice that this wind would come off the Mediterranean and down into the Galilee. And, and uh, the type of storm was definitely and potentially a death threat to them. And in Mark chapter 4 and verse 38, it tells us this. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Carest thou not that we perish? Now, there's no question then that they feared for their life. But I want you to notice something that the devil tries to do, and I want everybody's attention. When you have a storm, the devil wants you to think that God doesn't care about you. Lord, don't you care? And why is it that we always blame or question God when a trial comes? Lord, I go to church. I gave it the offering for the building. I sing in the choir. I practice with the orchestra. I go soul winning. Lord, don't you know what I do? Lord, don't you care for me? And sometimes if we're not careful, we can get into that self-pity. And we can question God's care. Paul says in Acts 20 and 24, None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, 
so that I might finish my course with joy. You see, if we uh, count our own lives dear unto ourselves, then every time there's a problem, we're going to question whether God really loves us because we love ourselves and we want God to love us just because we love ourselves. Well, i got to tell you something. God loved you before you were ever saved. Nothing you can do will get Him to love you any more than He already does. And we shouldn't question His love when a trial comes into our life. But they question His love. They were so fearful. Lord, don't you care that we're about to die? Let me encourage you tonight. When the trial comes, don't question God's love for you. He cares for you. Two explorers were on a jungle safari. Suddenly a ferocious lion jumped in front of them. And one, one of the explorers said to the other, Keep calm. Remember what we read in that book about wild animals. If you stand perfectly still and look the lion right in the eye... He will turn and run. Sure, replied his partner. You've read the book, and I've read the book, but has the lion read the book? (laughs) And sometimes when the storms come, we tend to think to ourselves, well, I I know what the Bible says, but I'm just not sure that's how it's going to work. I just don't know if God understands. Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? Lord, Don't you care? I might perish. And I just want to say tonight, God loves you. He gave His only begotten Son for you. And we must never question the love of God. It's a wonderful, wonderful love. They said, Lord, we might perish. You see, problems come to dislodge our core of self-sufficient pride and drive us to the Lord. This very trial was meant to drive them to the Lord. You see... Jesus whispers in our pleasurable times, in our pleasurable times, but He shouts in our painful times. And I don't know about you, but I have learned more about the Lord in the storms than I've learned about the Lord in the good times. Pastor knows this. When your family faces cancer, When your church is facing the onslaught of the devil, when you're trying to build buildings and win souls in the Bay Area, the devil throws everything he can at you. And yet when those trials come, if you'll open your heart, you're going to see God do some things you never thought possible. He's going to teach you some lessons that you would have never learned without the storm. Psalm 116 and verse 3, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech Thee, deliver my soul. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I remember one time calling my friend Dr. R.B. Willad, and I was going through a time filled with anxiety and trials. It just seemed like sometimes trials come twos and threes in a row. And I said to him, I said, Brother Ouellette, sometimes when the trials mount up and fears come into my heart, I don't feel like a very good Christian. I feel like I'm not as strong as I'm supposed to be. He shared a verse with me. He said, Brother Chapel, the Bible says, At what time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. You see, it doesn't say that we're never going to be afraid, but the key is that we keep trusting the Lord. 
And sometimes when we become very self-sufficient, God will bring a storm into our lives so that we'll begin depending upon Him once again. And so we see that God wanted to show them that He had power over their fear. And He had power over nature. The Bible says in verse 24, He arose and He rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. I want you to notice a few of the words here. The Bible says, He rebuked the wind. That is to say, He charged the wind. It is possible that Satan was behind this storm. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 and 2 that Satan is the prince and power of the air. How many of you believe that Satan fought Jesus every single step towards the cross? He fought Jesus Christ. And we do not know the background of this storm, but Jesus rebuked the storm. He spoke to the storm. And not only does the wind stop, but the Bible tells us it becomes immediately very tranquil. And here we see the power of our God over the storm. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 4, He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drieth up all the rivers. Basham languisheth and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things and by Him all things consist. Do you understand tonight that He does have the whole world in His hand? He created it. By Him all things consist. We serve a God tonight who can tell the wind to stop blowing. He can tell the sea uh, to stop billowing. Uh, He has the power uh, to stop cancer. He has the power uh, to heal. He has the power to save. We have a God who still has all power tonight. The power of Jesus is something that should thrill us tonight. He is a wonderful, powerful God. We do not understand all of His sovereign ways. We do not understand why. He chooses to withhold the power, to show the power. We do not understand uh, why He allows storms to come and when they come. But we see in the passage tonight that one of the great problems of the disciples was that they forgot His power and Jesus wanted to show them the trial so that they might see who it was that was inhabiting their little ship. And I'm thankful tonight that on April the 23rd, 1972, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior in San Jose, California, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Creator of the world, took up residence in my little ship. And I'm thankful tonight that He will never leave me and never forsake me. And I'm not worthy of that. I don't deserve that. But I'm thankful tonight that He is my Savior and that He can calm the storms of this life. I see the problem of the disciples. They forgot who was their passenger who was with them. Perhaps they had the attitude that some of us have, like, well, perhaps the disciples said, well, it's a good thing the Lord has us because we've been across this sea many times. It's a good thing that He has us. And they were going to learn real quickly that they needed Him more than He needed them. Don't ever get the idea, well, it's a good thing this church has me. I'll tell you what, listen, you ought to thank God you're a part of this church. This is the church of the living God. It's our privilege to serve the Lord Jesus. We see the problem of the disciples thinking of themselves, not of the Lord. The power of Jesus to rebuke the storm. Then I want you to see thirdly tonight the purpose of the storm. The purpose of the storm. Why did He allow the storm? Now, how many of you, during a trial in your life, maybe an unexpected breakup in your family, maybe a health diagnosis, How many of you have ever had a time in your life, and I want you to be honest, maybe something with your children, where you've wondered, why, Lord? Why? And that's not a sin. You've just wondered, Lord, what's the purpose of this? 
Because from our perspective, we can't always see the purpose. How many of you have ever wondered, Lord, why? Anybody else or am I the only one? Sometimes we do. We wonder, why, Lord? Why? What's the purpose? Well, I want to finish tonight by sharing with you what I believe the purpose of some of these times is. Notice in verse 25, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Would you say those words with me, please? Where is your faith? One more time. Where is I believe the first purpose of the storm was to teach them to have a stronger faith. To teach them to have a stronger faith. The disciples may have thought, we can handle this. We've been out on this little lake many, many times. But Jesus wanted to teach them how to have a stronger faith. Now, the truth about faith must be understood. The word here, faith, is the conviction of truth. It is belief. Spurgeon said, We have no more faith at any time than we have in the hour of our trial. All that will not bear to be tested is mere carnal confidence. We really don't know where someone's faith is until the trials come. We really don't know how strong their trust is in God until the trial comes. We see the truth about faith, that it is a trusting, a believing in God. But then we also see the testing of faith. God has not a promise that the Christian life would be without tests. And many times as the tests come, God wants to take your test and make it your testimony. Let me say that again. God wants to take your test and make it your testimony. God wants your pain to become a pulpit. I had a situation in our church, I think it was about uh, six months ago, maybe five and uh, I was on my way home from church. And as I was going down one street, I looked down another and I saw ambulances and police cars. And I re- rarely do I see that in, in our city without circling back around for, for one or two reasons. First reason, I always want to see if it's one of the members of our church. When you have 9,000 members in your church, it's potential that it could be one of them. And I always want to do that. And secondly... I, I often circle back around because I know a lot of law enforcement and I just want to tell them, do you need anything or we're praying for you or something like that. Well, I came around and there had been a person on a motorcycle that was turning and someone didn't see him and, and it was a, a massive, massive accident. And I could tell that the young man on the motorcycle was not, not alive. And so I, uh, I, I spoke to the officer and I said... Can I help you? Is it anybody with the church? No one from the church, Pastor. Thank you. We'll we'll be okay. I went on home. And for some reason, it just kept troubling me. Uh, If you ever come up on an accident like that, it just troubles you. And I got home and the Holy Spirit put on my heart, go back. I didn't really know why. Just the Holy Spirit just... I knew He wanted me to go back. And I went back and um, I... uh, felt like, well, maybe I can counsel this family that killed this young man. And so I began witnessing to them. And uh, I set up for some appointments the next day for the children. There were little children in the car. They were completely in shock. And uh, as I continued, uh, continued talking, I heard the name of the, the boy that was the deceased. They took his wallet. I heard his name. And sure enough, it was a young boy that had graduated from our high school not nine months before. 
And that began a process. I'll never forget visiting his father the next morning. I've never seen a man cry like that before. Frankly, I didn't know them very well. I didn't, I didn't, they come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're just very quiet people. They remember the first host class. We had the funeral service. We did our best to comfort them. And sometimes you wonder, are they going to blame God? I mean, this storm is so big. Will they quit? I got to tell you something. This dear family, they've never missed. Never missed a service. Their daughter registered this past year for West Coast Baptist College. She, um, she sent me a little email this week. And it's been such a busy week. I've, I've got to pull that email out and put it somewhere special. And this is what she said. Her brother just went home to be with the Lord just, just a few months ago. And she said, Pastor Chapel, I know you deal with people who have loss in their life. But if you ever have a, another 18-year-old girl who loses a loved one, I'd sure like to pray with her and be her friend. Just remember that if I can ever help you help someone else in the church, and her pain is becoming her pulpit. God never wastes a trial. God always has a purpose in the trial. And what I'm saying is that we never know someone's faith until the trial comes. God was teaching about faith. God was testing their faith. He had already said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you over to the other side. But now He was proving it. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 7, the trial of our faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So what was the purpose of the trial? To teach them about faith. To increase their faith. And then secondly, to reveal His deity. To reveal His glory. Now notice as we close, I want you to see this in verse 25. He said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water to obey him. Notice the amazement of the disciples. The Bible says they wondered, uh, they were marveling that Jesus could command like this. And and, uh, that Jesus who had in His exhaustion, displayed His humanity, now is displaying His deity. And I want you not to miss this tonight. I want you to to capture this. They ask the question, what manner of man is this? They're they're standing back in awe. What manner of man is this? Uh, Edersheim said, assuredly, no narrative could be more consistent with the fundamental assumption that He is God and He is man. And I think of this tonight. And you think of it with me. Who do we serve tonight? What manner of man is this? Isaiah 9 and verse 6 gives us a little bit of a clue. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, some of you university students listen to me tonight, and some of you soul winners listen to me tonight, because I know that the cults deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And I I know the professors in the colleges
just uh, try to bring Jesus down to the level with all the other gods. But I want to remind you that His name is Wonderful Counselor. Listen to me. His name is Mighty God. He's not one of the gods. He is Mighty God. What manner of man is this? He is the Mighty God. That's what manner of man He is. He said, I and the Father are one. What manner of man is this? He is eternal God. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. It says, God was manifest in the flesh. What manner of man is this? Why, this is the eternal God that is on your little boat tonight. He is eternal. He is omnipotent. Psalm 65 and verse 7, which sitteth the noise of the, stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the people. Psalm 89.9, Thou rulest the raging sea. Psalm 106 in verse 9, He rebuked the red sea. Psalm 107 and 23, They that go down to the sea in ships that do great business in the great waters, these will see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deeps. I'm simply saying to you tonight, what manner of man is this? Sometimes we just need to get back to it. Who is this that we serve? And who is this that saved us? And what manner of man is this? This is the God-man, the Son of God, the Creator of the world, who calms the storms, uh, whom the demons flee from, who said all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Listen, I know how liberal California is. I know there are many realms of demonic activity happening all over the Bay Area. But i got to tell you something. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. He has all power. What manner of man is this? This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And you can trust Him. I said you can trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. Oh, listen, what manner of man is this? He's wonderful. Counselor, mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. I know that we live in a difficult time. There's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of animosity. I think of this recent Supreme Court justice. They hated the man for one reason. He believes in the right of pre-born babies to be born. By the way, when Mary conceived of the Lord Jesus, as the Holy Ghost overshadowed her, the Bible tells us that she was great with child. It does not say she was great with fetus. She was great with child. And here we have a justice who just believes that the baby in the womb is a baby after all. And he's hated for that. That's what this was all about. That's why all the hatred. And this world and this community from time to time will hate you for believing that life matters, for believing that eternal life is real. We live in a strange world. Won't go all into the story. We've had some interesting times in our ministry the last few days, and my wife will be at home tonight alone, but she'll have police officers in front of our house tonight because of just crazy individual, some things that have been said. We live in a crazy time. Storms come, hate comes, trials come. But I want to remind you something tonight. That we serve a God 
who can rebuke the storm and you can trust Him. And I know you've had so many victories. Very few churches have built a building like you just built by the grace of God. Very few churches get to see people saved so regularly like you do. So many victories, but in the middle of those victories, there's going to be some storms coming. And when they do, I just want to remind you, if Jesus is in your little boat, you're going to be okay. You can trust Him. What manner of man is this? He is the Son of God. And you can trust Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank You that You're with us during the storms. And Lord, we we know that tonight there are people who are either in a storm, just got through a storm, or they're about ready to have one. So I pray that You'd help all of us, Lord, to focus on You and not on the storm. Heads are bowed tonight and eyes are closed. Who would say tonight, Brother Chapel, God taught me tonight the purpose of some things going on in my own life. He wants to strengthen my faith. He wants my focus on Him. He wants me to see what manner of man He is. And Brother Chapel, I just want you to know the Lord used this to help me tonight to understand some things. Would you pray with me that I would put my focus on the Lord and not on my trial. Would you lift your hand tonight if God spoke to your heart? I'll lift the auditorium. He wants my focus on Him, not just on my trial. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you tonight. Is there someone that would say, Pastor Chapel, I've been struggling with doubt and worry. I've been questioning so many things. And tonight I've learned that when Jesus is in my life, when He's in my little ship, I don't need to worry. I don't need to doubt. Is there someone who would say, Pastor Chapel, pray with me that I'll put my worry and anxiety aside and just trust Him like I should. Lift your hand and I have God, God spoke to you there. We're going to pray together in just a moment. Is there anyone tonight that came in who would say, Brother Chapel, I don't really know how to trust Him with my trial because I've never trusted Him with my soul. I'm not 100% sure that Jesus Christ is in my heart. I'm not sure that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And I would like you to pray with me. I'd like to know for sure that I'm a Christian, that I'm saved. Please pray for me regarding my eternal soul. If that's your need tonight, might I pray for you? Would you just hold your hand up right now? Just hold it up. If you're not sure you're saved, I'll pray with you. Anyone like that? Then let's all stand together, shall we? Our Father... Even as we stand to our feet, we want to thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the promises, Lord, and please forgive us when we fail to remember them. And I ask you, Lord, to help us as we go through the the storms and difficulties of life, that we would focus on you, not the storm, not ourselves, not self-pity, that we would not say, Lord, don't you care about us, but that we would trust you. I pray specifically for those who lifted their hands that you would remove anxiety and worry and that you would give them calm just like you calmed that sea. Calm us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a song of invitation. You've lifted your hand and I've prayed. This will be a wonderful time if you lifted your hand to just come and pray and say, Lord, I'm coming back to focus on you. I'm praying right now because I want to put my focus right back on you. I've been focusing on the economy. I've been focusing on problems at work. I've been focusing on this and that. Right now, I'm just going to focus on you.
Just keep trusting your Lord. You come if God spoke to your heart. Don't waste this opportunity to put your trust in Him. Altars are open tonight. Once you come this evening, if you're facing a storm, I want to assure you tonight, Jesus is not asleep. His presence is there. He rules. He reigns over nature. He reigns over our fears. It might be just a fear that's gripped you. The Bible says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. I think we come to this place in our life, as the pastor preached on tonight, we just need to give our fears to God. Would you come this evening spend some time on that? You trust Him for your marriage? You trust Him with your children? You trust Him about your future? You can trust Him tonight. Sing another stanza. Don't rush. You need to come tonight. We have a lot of students here tonight. You know, you can trust the Lord for the storms you've got going on in school. Take a stand for the Lord at school. Take a stand for the Lord in your classes. Take a stand for what you believe. Father, tonight we're so thankful for the message we've heard. What a great encouragement, great insight. Just reminding us tonight and reinforcing to us that, Lord, we can trust you. Thank you that Jesus is with us in the storm. Thank you for his word in the storm. He said, let's go to the other side. He was determined. He knew they were going to get there. He said, you're going to get there. Sometimes, Father, the journey might seem a little tough, but thank you through the journey and sometimes the waves and the storms. You teach us faith, how to trust you. Father, I pray for every burden, every concern that's been brought before you tonight at the altar and at at each pew. We pray this evening that you take every one of those and show yourself real and strong. We pray this evening that God would work through our lives and help us to learn that our faith would even be more increased. Thank you for Pastor Chapel. Bless the great ministry at Lancaster Baptist Church and this year at West Coast Baptist College and many, many of the other ministries that he's involved with, Lord, that with that church is trying to make a difference for Christ. Give him strength. Continue to increase his capacity. We pray that, Lord, as he waits upon you, that he will renew his strength, amount of wings as eagles, running in aquarium, walking not faint. Help our church body tonight that's here, that they'll feel refreshed and revived as we go our separate ways and get ready for Sunday and for our, our big events coming up, that, Lord, we'll trust you in them. Now, thank you, Lord, for what we've heard tonight. We commit all that to you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.